On this edition of Bills Pod Squad, we'll take a look back at the Bills' fourth quarter comeback against the Rams. We'll answer some of your most pressing questions for Kim Pagula, and we'll catch up with Raiders owner Mark Davis, who has a soft spot for Bills Mafia. Episode 4 starts now. Welcome into Bill's Pod Squad, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of our players and people all around the league. Maddie Glab and Bill's owner and president Kim Pagula here as your host. We'll have an interview with Raiders owner Mark Davis. He gets into moving to Las Vegas, things that he's learned from his father, Al, and talks a little bit about his love life. Before we get into that interview, Kim, we've got to recap the game a little bit. Oh, uh, my gosh. Can you see my gray a hair? fourth quarter comeback I, win I got again. Like, I got, like, way more gray hair now. Um, oh, oh, my gosh, yes. Um, you know, it was what a, a game of just roller coaster emotions. <laughs> like, how well were we playing in that first half? I, I, mean, I was like, you know what? We're up by this much, 28-3. Like, like, I'm just going to go take a nap <laughs> because we're just going to – kill this team effortless and and of course you know there was a huge talk about you know the two Sean's young coaches the the offenses that both teams have the quarterbacks the young mm -hmm. quarterbacks and so you're like I'm already amped up like before the game knowing that this is going to be a huge contest and then we go up 28-3 and it's like Wait, wait, what just happened? Like, yeah. what's going on? And then, then you could go completely the other way. Yeah. The beginning uh, of the game, yeah, I was uh, thinking, like, this is going to be such a tough matchup for these two teams. Like, week three, this is basically a playoff game here. Like, reading about everything the Rams had done in the previous weeks and then just watching the Bills in the previous weeks, I was like, wow, this is going to be such a great game. And then we start it, and we go up 28-3, to and I'm like, Huh. Yeah. But then the, maybe they're then, not the, then the real game, deal. Yeah. Then the game started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, of course, you know, obviously a tale of two halves, uh, as they call it. Um, but you know what? This is where they always talk about. Coach talks about it. Just finding ways to win. It, like it. There is going to be no perfect game, right? You're going to have these ups and downs. Sometimes you're going to be on the right side. Sometimes you're going to be on the wrong side. Um, and how we manage those games during the whole flow of it, and then getting the W at the end. Um, you know that that was uh, that was classic. And uh, yes, just a lot of. Uh, <laughs> A lot. Good thing they didn't have the camera. There's a lot of just you know loud noises coming from our booth. I was um, gonna. I need to ask you about your booth. Up and down, up and down. Can you hear us? I I cannot. But from previous podcast episodes, you've kind of explained how the layout has worked this year versus yeah. other years, and how of course it's different. And right now you're with. Terry and with Brandon mm -hmm, yeah. and with Joe Shane and Dan Morgan, Morgan yeah. and all of those guys. And you said that you've been sitting up top and you, you like to pace and everything yes. and have your I, space. Oh, I was pacing. I think I might have had my head like actually on the table at, <laughs> uh, for a little bit there near the end. Um, and and those, those guys, though, they're like right like right into it like they're just like leaning over the table just staring down at the field I'm like hiding going oh my gosh and the thing is that so normally sometimes what I might do is I might go to the bathroom mm -hmm. and I'm like okay I'm just gonna wait to hear what the crowd noise yeah. tells me before True. I come out True. right but there's no crowd noise so I'm like <laughs> okay wait what happened and so I'm like I gotta leave the bathroom so I have to come out and be like okay what happened uh, so yeah all my like little quirks and things that I do during a game to relieve my anxiety like I, it's not there anymore so um, but we got the W we got the win and um, you know 
Uh, another tough match, as uh, we're going to talk about uh, going out yeah. on our first West Coast trip this year. But um, no fans either there. But, um, but I don't know. Our team just feels different this year. Really Can you does. put your finger on what is what is what it is that makes the you team know, feel different? Um, you know, I, I've talked about this before, the the consistency. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do think that getting guys like Dion and Trey signed early, guys though that that the organization drafted, right? So guys that you helped develop mm -hmm. um, and get to a point where they're getting that second contract, and then uh, and then just having that confidence that you have a coach who you who you know he was uh, not a head coach when we first hired him but obviously he's proven himself uh, over the last three years. And then just knowing that he's gonna be around and that you're gonna grow, no matter the wins or losses, that you know that he's gonna show up every day um, and these guys are gonna learn. And so I, I think there, there's that confidence that, um, you know, that it's just, we've been together before, we're gonna continue to be together going forward. Um, and just, I don't know, just the, I don't know, confidence there that maybe wasn't there in, in previous years. Yeah, I think one thing that struck me just hearing from the coaches uh, on Monday after they kind of have watched the game over, you know, processed the crazy game. Oh, I thought Sean, Sean just used that as an excuse not to answer the media. <laughs> I have, I have to watch the game film? Yeah, you got to watch really, the game really film. He really doesn't yeah. watch game no. film? No, no, he watches oh. it. <laughs> so he, he said that on the headset during that last drive, that the headset between the coaches – it was, it was calm and, and collected. I would think like oh, it's going it crazy. Was not, it on was the not headset. in. It was not in our booth. I was gonna say how how was the booth? Were the guys pretty was, loud? Yeah, yeah. We uh, yeah. Good yeah. Good thing there wasn't a lot of fans around <laughs> us. So so yeah. You know what? But that's but that's what you love about football, right? Like the emotion of it. Just the the raw unknown you know and then just waiting for something magical to happen um and when you're on the right side of it it's like it's just no uh better feeling it just uh so but i mean like i said that's that's what sports is about and uh just happy we got that win so just, week three there are many more to come it's crazy there, to think that there are three you know uh, i know we were three you know last year but mm -hmm. I, I don't know, just, um, I'm, I'm just really happy just the way the team is playing. And like we had, how many receivers, um, you know, scored, uh, got the ball? Like it's not, it's just not one person. Like, I don't know, just our offense is really sharing and they talk mm -hmm. about it um, in their post-game interviews about how much they love each other and how much they're, they're sharing in, in all the heartache as well as all the successes um, and the whole team is. And you can see that playing out on, on the field. Uh, so it's just, it's nice to see all that kind of really come together. And Cole Beasley, like, oh my gosh, just He's clutching those. He's having a great season. Yeah, and those like really like you need the <laughs> that first down. It's not like you know just a couple yards like the third you know? and twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yardage. And then Josh had to do it again. Like that's mm -hmm. um, so those are yeah. So makes for exciting football. Um, I'm telling you. So this is going to be quite a ride this whole season. Oh my gosh, I, I cannot wait. It's been a fun start. Uh, can't wait for more week four against the Raiders. But Kim, you just brought up the fact that this team has said multiple times like. It's different in the locker room. It's a family atmosphere. We love each other. It's obvious. You can see that on social media. You can see that watching practices. You can see that within the staff interacting with each other. When you and Terry took over the franchise as owners, where did that rank in the list of things you want in a team and you want in a coaching staff and you want in players? Because it seems like this has been something that has been – building since you and Brandon and Sean really got here. 
Yeah, you know, I've I've always felt, and Terry has too, that in our hearts that um, you know that yes, you need skill, right? You you need those playmakers, you need skill, um, but there's something more that actually just gets you over that hump, right? Um, and sometimes it may not be the you know all about the best player on the team. Um, it's about the the parts and the pieces all coming together, um, and so we've always believed that. Now every team will have those the same verbiage you know mm -hmm. every every team uh, no matter what sport every coach um, says those same words um, but when you really actually see it happening and like you said you can tell it by the actions right so Josh isn't just saying I love you right um, he's he's actually going out there and you saw him you know just talking to the guys on the sidelines you, you see the connection that they have um, just listening to the coaches you can see so it's it just how hard they fight for each other um, and and just that confidence you know just not going to give up because I, I think you know one of the things that coach has really done is for these players is really connected them with our community um, and the type of community that we are. And the players are feeding off of that. Even though they're not there in the stands, they understand what kind of people that Buffalo is and they're playing like, like Buffalo would play. And I've got to bring up something that happened outside of the Bills-Rams game this weekend. Something really special for women in this league in general. Uh, we saw history made during the Browns and Washington game. Callie Brownson, who we really know well and love yeah. a lot. She's, in, she's with the Browns now. Um, Jennifer King and Sarah. So it was two opposing assistant coaches and a full-time uh, ref all women at one game together. Uh, we haven't seen that before, awesome. so history was made this weekend. Uh, Callie was here last year as a coaching intern. She's now with the Browns as the chief of staff for Kevin Stefanski, and then Jennifer King is an offensive intern for uh, the Washington football team. Yes, um, so uh, so cool to see that. It really was, and, um, and I'm glad that it got so much attention because I really think that it's uh, deservingly so uh, because we haven't seen that, right? And what I love, uh, you know, listen, Callie was with us. Us. What I love and I'm really proud of our organization um, is our role that we played with Cali. Because, you know, listen, it's easy just to say, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll hire an intern, we'll hire an assistant mm -hmm. coach, um, a female, and, you know, kind of just check the box and say those things. But, you know, but helping developing someone, helping develop Cali to a point where another team wants them, right, to, for a pr higher position. Like to me, that says we're moving in the right direction. Um, I think I just like really proud of, of our own team um, and the role that we had to play with Callie because like I said, we were trying to develop and make uh, people better, um, be better coaches and uh, we want success for them. And even though Callie's not with us anymore, uh, you know, we really wished her all the best luck and we're so happy that she was getting recognized and getting that promotion in Cleveland. So, um, and don't forget Cleveland, Dee Haslam uh, is also co-owner so there's you know I don't I don't know where she was but uh she should have been mm -hmm. in that picture as well totally and we hope that instances like this can become more normal and it's not just a one-time thing it's not just making history it's after this that this happens a second time a third time a fourth time a fifth time to the point where hopefully in five to ten years this is something that's regular all right, let's get into our interview with Mark Davis. It was an awesome conversation that we had with him about what it went into the move uh, to go to Las Vegas, how he's like in Las Vegas, and what he thinks of this Raiders team this year. 
The Bills Pod Squad is brought to you by New York Lottery. Play the new skee-ball scratch-off game and you can catch up to $60,000. Must be 18 years or older to purchase a lottery ticket. Mark, thank you so much for being on with us. We know you are just as busy as Kim is, so we do appreciate both of your time. And of course, we're having you on this week because the Bills are heading to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. And you guys have had a pretty hot start to the season, just like the Bills have. Uh, two and one through the first three weeks. You start off the season at home with a win in the first game in Allegiant Stadium. What are your thoughts on, on the team this year and, and what they could do this season? Well, it, we have a young team. Um, we're two and one right or Yeah, two and one right now. Um, it's just early in the season. There's so much that goes on during the season. Uh, the team you start with in the beginning is not the team you end up with at the end. It's a war of attrition. And you just hope that, you know, you can stay healthy. And at the end of the season, by the time, if you, if you got a chance to get into the playoffs, that you've got uh, full force. Yeah, so no. I, I really don't try to uh, uh, judge it right now. Um, this is such a unique season. The fact that we had no preseason games. Mm -hmm. We've had three uh, regular season games. And I don't want to say that this fourth one coming up is our fourth preseason game, but uh, it it's almost feels like that to me. Um, you see a lot of the soft tissue injuries and things like that are popping up all over the league. And I think it shows that there's got to be some some type of a preseason or something, but I don't know how far we go with that. Well, Mark, you're, excited one, about the team. you're only one loss is has been kind of the thorn in our side in our division, New England. We were hoping that this year that things might change a little bit with Tom Brady now and not in our division, but the Patriots unfortunately are still looking pretty darn good. Um, so we have yet to play them, but uh, now you guys know how we feel twice, uh, twice a season uh, every year for a long, long time. So, but, um, but congratulations on not only on the great start you've had, but also on having a new brand new stadium in Las Vegas. Um, tell us, like, how did, you know, I know you weren't at the game, but just I'm sure the emotions of it, of as this season started with the craziness that has gone on with COVID that, um, and actually saying like our doors are open, we're actually playing a game. Um, tell us what that was like. Wow, it's, it, it's so emotional and it's so amazing. You know, for many, many years, we've been looking for a home that we could call our home. All right, so and how, how long, when you say many years, how many years, like from start to well, finish? Well, you know, we, we started, the Raiders started out in 1960. I wasn't with them then. My father was with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers okay. for that first year in 1960 of the AFL. But Oakland started uh, 1960, the Oakland Raiders, and they didn't have a home in Oakland. So for the first two seasons, they played in San Francisco at uh, Candlestick Park and uh, Kizar Stadium. And then in uh, 1962, they built a 22,000-seat stadium called Yule Field. And it was named after an Oakland undertaker, nonetheless. Okay. And uh, the Raiders played there for four years. I was there when, when my father came to the Raiders. That's where we first played was Yule Field. Then in 1966, they opened the Oakland Coliseum. And that's back in the day when they had uh, multi-purpose stadiums were the, new, the yep. new thing. And it really was magnificent. Um, the idea of bringing a baseball team in, having a football team, and it 
you know, being able to shift between the two. And it made Oakland a big league city when the A's came and the Raiders were there and we had this great thing going and everything. So for, I'd say, 16 years when we played in the Oakland Coliseum, we did have a home field advantage and it was pretty good. But what happened was, is in the National Football League, it became clear that local revenues were going to be the difference between teams because of the shared revenues, the television and everything, that local revenues were really the difference. And when you looked at it, it was the stadiums that were really going to be a big difference and luxury suites were the money that wasn't being shared between the teams. So if you had luxury suites, you had an up, 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 up competitive advantage in revenue. So the Raiders were trying to get luxury suites in the stadium and try to bring the stadium up into a competitive advantage, or at least competitive with the other teams. And we couldn't get a deal done with Oakland. So that's when we moved to the uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in Los Angeles. Um, historic. Um, I loved it. But again, we never got to the point where we got the, the luxury suites and uh, those things that we needed to compete. So we moved back to Oakland. And uh, so I guess moving is part of our DNA, but <laughs> we went back to Oakland. We've been there for 25 years and the stadium just wasn't up, up to par. Anymore. It was uh, 50 years old and we worked really hard with Oakland to try to get something done. Couldn't get it done. Tried to go to LA or like, tried to do a deal with the Chargers as partners to go into Los Angeles. We were voted down uh, by the National Football League. And so we went back to work with Oakland couldn't get anything done again. And then Las Vegas came, 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 came to the forefront. And I've never worked with a group of politicians um, that were so open, honest, and transparent than, than they were. And Governor Brian Sandoval, at the time, we looked each other in the eye and we shook hands and we both stuck to what we said we would do. And now we have one of the most magnificent stadiums in the world. We really do. And it's just, it's a shame when, when all your dreams come true and then real life steps in the way. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really what's happened right now. And so opening night, the, I say it was, it was a really emotional night for me. And we light a torch for my father before every game. And we have a celebrity or a, a former Raider or somebody to light it. And I wasn't sure we were going to light it for this game. And then the only person I really thought that would be suitable to do it would be my mother. So my mom came down and prior to the game, she lit the torch for my father uh, at the, at the stadium for the first time. And it just, just was one of those magical moments. So if, that's, I guess that's a short answer or long answer well, to your question. Just tell us about your vision for the stadium. Mm -hmm. it, leaks so, it looks so sleek, so cool. Um, looks, you know, we, t we were talking about how the Raider fan base is just so identifiable. And, mm -hmm. and that stadium, at least what we've seen on TV, um, it just looks like an it's angry a land Raiders it's a fan. <laughs> it does, but it looks like an angry Raiders fan. <laughs> All black on the outside. Yeah. It's, it's a little scary. Yeah, it is. I'm a little scared. Go <laughs> You know, it's interesting. Uh, when we uh, when we uh, played in Los Angeles at the LA Memorial Coliseum, they had the peristyle in with the torch, the Olympic torch there at the end, and everything. And it, that that always struck me as something that was iconic. And so, in speaking with David Manica, who did the uh, architectural design for the stadium, I told him that I was looking for something that would be somewhat of a U shape 
with a peristyle end and a torch. And we started working and he's just really a magnificent architect. He really, he's somebody that he's got an ego, you know, none of, none of these architects have egos, right? But he, he was willing to listen and we were able to work together. And I'd say I got about maybe 90% of what I wanted, maybe 85% of what I wanted. And I, I, I consider that a victory. Um, the stadium is a football stadium first. That's what we designed it for, to play football in it. Uh, having grass was very important to me. And the, the Bidwells initially took the risk to try to do that, where they you know, grow the grass outside and roll it into the stadium in uh, Arizona. And uh, they helped. We consulted with them. They helped us quite a bit. And we tried to take it to the next level and have grass inside the stadium. Um, the, the black sleek look is definitely something that's part of Raider nation. And, uh, it does look like a Raider stadium. Um, I think my dad would be proud of it. I do think he would be happy with it. Um, but again, that's, I can't speak for him. So, you know, again, I guess somebody's gonna have to ask him, uh, well, themselves. Well, what but, about uh, your fan? What so about your fan base though in Oakland? How, how have they transitioned into, uh, you coming into Vegas? Um, you know, like I said, it's, those Raider fans are, are pretty strong. I'm sure they're willing to travel. They are willing to travel. I'll tell you, it's been a, uh, a couple of year process, probably a four year process once we announced our move to Las Vegas. The one thing that we always were with the fans was transparent. We were always honest with them. We never sugarcoated anything. Always let them know that we wanted to stay in Oakland, but we needed help. And that was really the, the rallying cry that we had. We, we really wanted to stay, but we did need help. And we just couldn't get it there. But I'd say 90% of the people that I speak to are okay with the move. They're not okay with the move. They're, they're okay with the way the process happened. Um, and they're really looking forward to coming to Las Vegas. Uh, about maybe 10 to 12% of our fans that bought PSLs here are from Oakland. So we have a good contingent coming down. Um, we have also a contingent coming from Los Angeles. And then, of course, we have the, the local fans here in Las Vegas. So uh, it's, it's really a gathering of the Raider Nation. It will be once uh, the COVID virus is uh, overcome. Well, the last time I saw you, Mark, was actually in Vegas and at a hockey game, right? So the Vegas That's COVID right. Certainly, uh, they were went far in the playoffs this year, um, but they were ahead of you in bringing uh, professional sports to Vegas. And certainly, uh, the success that they have had kind of also, I think, helped um, lead the way that showing that Vegas can be a, a two-sport professional team. Um, the fan base is there. The people want to come. Uh, Vegas has had, had no shortage of fans in their arena. And so I wouldn't expect anything uh, less um, with the Raiders there as well. Um, it's crazy. Like we saw each other, like I said, in, in Vegas, like that was like near the end of February. And then in, a few weeks later, like everything was shut down. Um, it's been a crazy several months. Um, were, you know, obviously you were planning on opening this season anyways, but what were some of the biggest difficulties you had going from the pandemic and opening up a stadium that maybe you weren't really expecting this pandemic to happen right when you're trying to get everything kind of, you know, nailed in and, and finalized. Yeah, it's, uh, again, I call it the twilight zone. Um, it's just, it's just incredible that again, all of our dreams are coming true and then real life did step in the way. 
Um, we were prepared to open the stadium. We were ready for all those Buffalo Bill fans to come into town. In fact, I believe there's two Buffalo Bills bars uh, designated in Las Vegas right now. So you guys actually have a, a place for your fans here in Las Vegas to hang out on Sundays and Mondays and whatever other day of the week. But, uh, I, you know, it's to me, it was an easy decision to say all or none. Um, it's a brand new stadium. If we were playing somewhere where we played all these years and the fans were accustomed to the stadium and all of that, it would have been easy maybe to say, okay, we'll have 20% of the people come to this game and, and kind of uh, do each game with 20, 20% of different people and all that. But the fact that it's a brand new stadium, inaugural day, the very first game, I couldn't tell one person that they can't go and everybody else can that it just, it, it was all or none. So we just made it that this season, we're not gonna have fans in the stadium. And if there's not gonna be fans, then I won't be there yet. And so, so, what's the your game, so what's your game day ritual now? Not being at the games? Where, First where do you game, watch your what games? we did is we invited all the, uh, the uh, people that helped us get to Las Vegas, uh, Governor Sandoval, uh, Steve Hill, all the people that worked in the community uh, the people that worked, some of the people at the hotels, like Bill Hornbuckle, who uh, was MGM and is now on the uh, Las Vegas Stadium board. And all of those people, we invited them over to the Raider facility uh, for a watch party. And uh, we uh, donated uh, half a million dollars to charity and gave it to the Lou Rubo Brain Center uh, that is working for cures to uh, uh, concussions and things of that nature and then to the Opportunity Village, which is uh, for underdeveloped kids. That uh, It's a really great, great facility in Las Vegas. And so we uh, gave $250,000 to each of them as a, a thank you for bringing us here to Las Vegas. Well, I know that the draft got postponed this year. It was supposed to happen in Vegas, but you are getting it in 2022. Um, but so I'm expecting that next season, uh, when we're allowed to have fans back in, that you are going to have an even bigger party than maybe you originally thought uh, that you would have this year. So um, congratulations to all the success that you've had. The transition, is, I know it's not easy. And as you said, the many, many years that uh, you've put into getting um, a stadium like this, one-of-a-kind stadium. And I'm, I know I am going to the games, um, and I am so much looking forward to seeing the finished product uh, with or without fans. Um, so I'm very excited about uh, this weekend um, and, and our matchup. So um, you had a question? Yeah, I have just a question about moving a, a team like the Raiders to Vegas. I mean, you think about the name the Raiders and you think about what the fan base means and, and what the fans look like and how passionate they are uh, for a team like the Raiders. What is it like moving this team to Vegas, an iconic fan base, an iconic team that your father helped build and build this brand of the Raiders. The Raiders are such a big brand in itself. And to move a brand like that, that your father helped make to an iconic city like Las Vegas with a huge brand as well, what do you think about these two brands pairing with each other to create something new and have, you know, an inaugural, inaugural season like you're having right now? Well, it is a symbiotic relationship. You're exactly right, um, Las Vegas. What we're trying to do here is we're taking the history of Las Vegas 
and the history of the Raiders and a meet at the stadium, basically. And that's that's kind of what we're trying to do. The first thing we did uh, when we got the okay to move here was to get into the community. Even though we were still playing in Oakland for two or three years, we wanted to get in the community, meet the people, and they're so welcoming, it's unbelievable. And it's a very strong community. You think that Las Vegas is uh, a splinter group because people come from everywhere. But they've had, when we came here, there's been two two uh, tragedies, so to speak. They had the 10-1, they had the shooting. And this community pulled together, again, behind the Golden Knights, as uh, Kim was saying, um, and really showed the strength of the community, Vegas strong. And then, so that's how our, our, our groundbreaking started was at that point. And now our ribbon cutting, which is gonna be postponed for a year, is based on the, uh, the virus. But the people here have been so welcoming Everywhere I go, people are thanking me for bringing the Raiders here, and I thank them for bringing us here. So it's 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 a love relationship right now. It might be a honeymoon if we don't win some more games. You know, it, you know how that goes in life. Um, but it's it's so special to be here, and the brand, like you say, our brand is not really a local brand. It's a national and, and more so on a global brand. Um, we know that, and so the main thing that we do is protect that brand protect that shield and uh, know, know where our where we came from. We know, I always say that our most valuable asset is our alumni because it's their blood, sweat and tears that put us in the position that we're in today. So that's what we always do. And so everything that we do is respecting our players, our former players and the people in the, in, in the Raider family. And uh, that's really where we're at. And I just know that this week we got a tough young team coming in with a young quarterback that's that's kind of lighting the fire up. So we're a little concerned. Well, Mark, so obviously you grew up in a football family. Uh, football, the Raiders is all you've ever known. The only team obviously you've ever loved. Um, when was the first time you came to a Buffalo Bills game? Here in Buffalo. In Buffalo? In, in Buffalo. Buffalo? Yeah. I don't know if I was ever at War Memorial. I don't believe I was, but I do remember fires and things in that <laughs> the old days. Um, but I do remember coming, I guess it was Rick Stadium at the time. Yep. Uh, when it, I think when it first opened up, or it might've been even, uh, I think that's what, is that what it was when it opened? Or was it, it was It was Rich Stadium, then it was uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I, I do remember going there and I'll tell you, the, the, the battles that we had with the Jim Kelly, uh, Buffalo Bills were epic. And uh, we ended up on the short end of those, unfortunately. And uh, that was during the, those four Super Bowl runs that you guys had. And uh, just some great, great games, great, great teams. Um, I, ho I hope our fans were as welcoming uh, to you guys as your fans are welcoming to us. I think we played you <laughs> a few years ago, and I tell ya, you, you know, I was 17. I, I knew I had made it when I was able to get through the Raider fan base, <laughs> like getting to the stadium um, in, a, in a golf cart. I was, I was a little worried, but <laughs> I'm sure we gave it yeah. right back to you guys. Yeah, the, the, Bills, the Bills fans didn't look intimidating at all in that three <laughs> below zero with no shirts on. And, and drinking, drinking beers in the snow. No, not intimidating at all. No, you so, guys have one of the greatest fan bases of all. Um, for them to come out there in the, in the elements like they do and cheer that team on, it's pretty, you should be pretty proud of that. 
what you well, guys a lot of times you know you have conversations and your father is also always part of that conversation and i did not realize that you took over the team in 2011 not that far removed when Terry and I came into the league. So, um, you know, I, I thought we were, I was the rookie, but uh, you, of course, have had a lot more experience than Terry and I have. Um, so kind of just tell us, and I've got three kids, they're all in their early 20s, and, you know, trying to figure out, like, how, you know, how to navigate them and how to bring them into the, the football family beyond um, our generation. So I just would love to get some insight from you uh, growing up in a football family. Um, maybe, you know, some tales of how your parents treated you and what you were allowed to do and some of the memories you have growing up in football. Sure. You know, it, it's really interesting. My father was a football man. That's really all he was really concerned with in life. Um, he studied military uh, stuff. He was very studied in history and, and things of that nature, but, but football was his life. And he allowed me to be around the team and do whatever I wanted around the team and everything. And he, back in the day, he would be watching film every night and I would be allowed to go in there and watch him with the film and everything. But I always understood that it was his life that he was building then. It wasn't really his job to teach me about it, so to speak. It was more osmosis because he was creating his own life and doing actually doing it. And, and I didn't think that I needed to have him actually teach me the things, but he let me be around it. Let me be in coaches meetings. Let me be in meetings. Let me be around it if I wanted. He didn't force me to do it or anything of that nature. So I, I ended up working around the perimeters of the team. Uh, starting the uh, the merchandise program, things like that. I, I would look for things where I felt that we hadn't taken advantage of and as we're growing into the new future and all of that. Um, started with the internet and things like that. So I would bring different things to the to the table that might not have been a part of the organization. Did, did you but ever have to did you ever have to work in the equipment room? I certainly did. I started as a water boy back in uh, I was probably uh, I don't know if I was 12 or 13 at the time yep. and uh, started in, in, in there uh, picking up jock socks and t-shirts um, <laughs> doing everything that it took. And you know, that, that's the important thing. So I was in a position to learn from the bottom up. And I think that's really important to understand. So you respect everybody, the guys that are picking up jock socks and t-shirts, yeah. that they're people that feel as much about the team as you do. And, uh, it's funny, Mark Medane was one of those people. When he started out, he was a driver for my dad, very young and everything. And now he's the president of the team. So, well, and and he's a Rochester native, so he's a Western he New Yorker. Is. So <laughs> I got to put that plug That's in there. That's right. He did, he did tell me that he had some, uh, some ties to you there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, so it was, it was never forced on me. I was allowed. I was always like, uh, I love the players. So he always told me that, you know, I wasn't going to be very good at the uh, at being running the team because I am too close to the players. And I've, I've been able to get over that, but it still hurts me really deeply if I have to say to somebody that, you know, your time is up. Um, it's been really hard, and I've had to do that to some really good friends uh, as players, you know, and things like that. So that's been the tough part. But uh, I think not being forced into it, Given the opportunity to learn what I was interested in, made it possible possible for me to do it. And uh, studying both the moves from Oakland to Los Angeles, 
the Los Angeles back to Oakland made me realize how important the community is in everything that you do. Because if you're if you're 12 and you know 16 and 0, you're doing pretty good. Just win, baby, works. But if you're not 16 and 0 and you're doing 12 or doing 14, um, you need the support of the community. And if you haven't given them the support, they're not going to give it back. So I think that's a really important lesson that I learned through Oakland and, and Los Angeles that we definitely took advantage of here in Las Vegas and made it a key, key uh, prerogative to do. Do you have a favorite story about your dad that many people don't know that you'll remember forever? There's so many, there's so <laughs> many, but I, I tell you, it's just, I think it's a lot of the things that he did for people off the field that people don't know about and he didn't talk about. And I'm talking about for players for other teams and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing where he really stood head and above. And I think that's where we got the idea that the most valuable asset we have is our alumni. Um, it's family and it's a Raider family and we treat everybody that way. And individual stories, there's just too many of them. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, Mark, Mark and I, we, we get to be in the, the owner's room at our owner's meeting. And so um, the way the room is set up, Mark and I get the, we're very fortunate, Mark, we're, we are sit at the end where we are closer <laughs> to the snacks, closer to the bathroom, closer to the exit. Uh, but I will tell you one of the things that I remember um, coming in as a new owner and one of the reasons we wanted to be so uh, such a part of the National Football League is that all the owners in there it is a very family oriented. Yeah. Um, there's ownership there, like Mark himself, who has, you know, who have um, had generations, you know, in the family um, who started uh, the the team um, as part of their their family legacy. Um, there's daughters in there. There's sons in there. Um, so it was it's really nice to kind of as big and as you know, kind of um, whatever negative you might have about the NFL. It is a family first organization and a league and every club um, has that in, as part of their core. So that's, I, I love to hear well, these stories, Mark. Well, you know, I, I will say this, and it might be family oriented, but it's a tough room. Don't, <laughs> don't make any mistake about that. There's 32 tough ideas in that room and uh, people aren't uh, afraid to share them. Yep. I'll, what, I'll leave it at that. Well, yeah, what stays in the in the owner's room it stays there. Yeah, so. but take take me outside of the room a little bit. Let's let's have some of what stays in the room travel outside that you can talk about. What is it like to be in those owners meetings? I mean, you guys are so busy as owners of a football team, National Football League, to be able to come together for a weekend every year. What is it like to to catch up with each other, to bounce ideas off of each other? I mean, what goes on in that room during during that weekend? Well, I, I think the idea sharing is, is good and all that. But I'll tell you that, that, that our staffs do a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Bedane, uh, you know, is at those meetings. He does a lot of the fulfillment and, and the activation in, in that room. Um, I'm there, you know, and I, I'm, I'm definitely taking it all in. And obviously, it's, it's one of the most important things in the world being in those meetings. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you got to have people around you that can fulfill the, the stuff, that can actually activate on those things. We have Dan Ventrelli, who's also another young guy that just does a tremendous amount of work for us. Um, it's really important, as I said, the one thing I know is what I don't know. And I'm gonna hire people that do know those things. And we've got a really, really good staff of people that know their lanes and know where, where their, their uh, 
positives are and they, they take care of that. So I'm not afraid to uh, delegate. And what I do is those people is I set goals and then let them spread their wings and try to fulfill them and the results speak. And uh, that's, that's pretty much the philosophy that we've got going. So sitting in that room, um, sometimes I'm amazed at some of the conversation that goes on and I'm wondering where the heck it comes from. There's a couple of people in there that I would say dominate the room and I'll, I'll let Kim say who they are if she wants. Well, I'm one of those, I like to work behind the scenes. So okay, I am okay. not one of those that are dominating the conversation that Mark is, I, I promise I'm not one of those. I like to work behind the scenes, but. There's a couple of uh, things that aren't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it. but it's a special group, Mark. I mean, there's only 32 of yeah. us. Oh my God. And um, I mean, your father obviously spent a lot less money buying the team than, than we did, but, um, but we're all equals there and we're a very uh, small group, but but all I know are so fortunate and um, feel so blessed to be part of the National Football League. And it's, it's just fun. I, I tell people all the time, like, listen, I do what I do because I love doing it. Like, it is fun. And I hope I never, we're going on year six of ownership. I hope I never lose that. And Mark, I can tell every time I see you, you are smiling. It doesn't matter what is going on. You have a smile on your face. And I said, that's why I want to make sure I never lose mm -hmm. that feeling of just feeling special as being part of uh, an ownership group in the National Football League. The thing you and I have to do is we got to get in the playoffs a little more often. We do. <laughs> yeah, we do. That's the part so, that'll really make it well. Well, uh, we like to go first before you, so you know, give us a little leeway, <laughs> leeway on Sunday. So, so just to go back to Vegas. Now you've spent some time there. Uh, you're building a home. Uh, you're there now permanently. Your favorite hot spot to go to? What that that the uh, you know the locals go to now <laughs> for food? Well, you know, again, everything's been shut down. <laughs> you don't know on Monday, I Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday where you can go. Um, there, there's there's a place that's uh, a you know a lot of the local places I like to go to uh, that I found some. There's one called the Bootlegger that's open uh, you know 24 hours or was until the the, the shutdown, the quarantine, and all that. Um, the Wynn has some beautiful restaurants, um, the Venetian. Um, there's just, it's just, there's so much varied stuff around here and there's just so much to do that you don't even feel like you have to do anything because you can do it anytime you want. Yeah, but my problem is I'm not there down. long enough. So you want to do it all when yeah, you're there. Yeah, well, I'm only there usually like three days at the mm -hmm. most, right? And so you go to all your favorite spots and you don't get to you like get really to see. Out. And then this year when we're traveling there, we can't even leave the hotel. Yeah. So we can't do anything, right? So no you know, in and out burger. I'm, you know, our team is very depressed. We can't <laughs> get in and out burger. It's the little yeah. things. Yeah. What about, so I, I said, I really want to ask you this question, Mark. Okay. So how is your love life? Do you have My a special girl? Do you have a special I, girl? I don't have a, I, I, I you know, I, I, I do see one girl quite a bit. Um, she lives in Los Angeles, so we're not in the same area code all the time. But Sandy, I think you've seen her. We, you know, she comes to all the Super Bowls with me and everything. She's okay. very, very close to me. I am looking forward to the whole Bills uh, fan base, Bills Mafia is looking forward to seeing you, um, each other play on Sunday, getting a glimpse into your beautiful new stadium. And yeah, I hope you, you like it. I yeah, really oh, do. Oh, I, you know what? I liked it like when it was 80% done back in uh, <laughs> February. So I am sure that um, I'm going to love it. Um, and um, I'm going to be taking lots of notes, believe me. So... Uh, but thank you, Mark. Right. I really appreciate it. Stay safe.
Yeah, and I appreciate you. Yeah, really good, do. Good luck this Sunday. But All right, not, you guys. Not too much. Not Have too a wonderful much. afternoon. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. The Buffalo Bills are proud to partner with National Grid in promoting the Safety First initiative. Where every time a Bills safety makes a tackle at home, National Grid will donate $50 to the 100 Club of Buffalo in support of first responders and their families. National Grid reminds you to put safety first in your home with this easy tip. Check the batteries in your carbon monoxide detectors regularly. All right, Kim, let's get into Ask the Owner. It's our segment, segment presented by Connect Life. And our first question is from Anthony Riscati. He says, when making hiring decisions like GM or head coach, what qualities and or tendencies do you look for in a candidate? Wow, okay, there's a lot there. <laughs> My goodness, uh, probably I have a little bit too much experience in this area, so it's a topic I can talk about um, a lot. You know, I, I think we need to get Terry on here to <laughs> answer some of these, uh, ask yes. the owners uh, on here. Um, I would say, so, you know, listen, these interviews um, that uh, that you do for a coach or a GM, um, you know, it's there. It's interesting because you, well, sorry, for Terry and I, we were have not been in the league that long, so we did not have this big network of of coaches or assistant coaches or coordinators that we could kind of really pull from. So we we had to like go on recommendations, some lists that that um, the league gave me. We had to look at some videos, um, and so you know, when we. Um, when we decided to go with Sean, one of the things that really impressed us, uh, I've talked about this a lot, is just, it's the stuff outside the X's and O's. Mm -hmm. It is the stuff that, the intangible things, um, it's the things about managing your time, managing the people, how you communicate, um, you know, even just like your beliefs in, in your, um, your personal beliefs, you know, the, the role your family plays, you know, your outside interests. And I know that sounds kind of weird sometimes, like, well, you're focusing on that when you're like, you know, your reason you're switching a coach is because, you know, you probably had a bad season and, um, and you're trying to get better. Um, but I will say, you know, and there is no one perfect um, coach out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's a little bit of luck too, right? Like what one coach has had success with one team and a different group of, of people yeah. and then doesn't have in, in another one. So you're just trying to find someone that you, you feel that you can be confident that they're going to represent you as owners and they're going to represent the organization in the way that you want to be represented. Um, and that would make you proud regardless of the wins and losses. Cause listen, like there's no guarantees, <laughs> um, whatever in any coaching hires that they're going to, um, you know, guarantee any type of wins. E even if they say they are, we, we know <laughs> that, that they're not. Um, but there are just some key things that I think are important, uh, you know, and we always forget, like these players, these other coaches, even you know the staff and the organization, we're all people, right? And so, how how you deal with people in general, I think, is is very key. And just because you know more about an offense or a defense, um, yes, that's that's important. Um, then after that, though, it's it's how you treat people. Um, and I think those things, uh, yeah, I know that Terry and I really look for. Um, beyond the X's and O's uh, when we were doing our interviewing. Uh, interviewing. Um, and also, too, I think, uh, you know, when usually it's sometimes, you know, it's just a coach, then it's sometimes it's, it's a GM, sometimes it's both at the same time, right? So sometimes that kind of mm -hmm. throws you off. But I will say that I personally was worried when Brandon's name came up as a GM, because if you remember, we hired uh, uh, Sean first. Mm -hmm. 
as a coach because I was like, oh, here we go. Like, you know, this buddy-buddy system. You got these <laughs> Carolina boys, you know, they're kind of. Uh, so, I, so I was like, maybe they're not being objective. Um, but you can tell uh, right away, you know, you, you know, once you meet Brandon and you just saw, like, what he had to offer and the experience that he had and, and the way he thought. And then you saw him and Sean, um, you know, talking the same language, and that's so key, um, just getting that understanding and really that mutual respect for each other. So, I mean, they were not buddy-buddies when they were in Carolina. Um, obviously, you know, he was, you know, in personnel and, Sh and Sean was a mm -hmm. coordinator, so they didn't cross, you know, their paths um, that much, but there was generally um, a respect that they had for each other. And um, to start off a relationship, to start off a uh, coaching hire and a GM hire with that respect, um, I'm not surprised where, where, where we are. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've uh, garnered the name of McBean. <laughs> Yeah. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Everybody loves this. I know. Can together. you tell the love I'm gushing out, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our second question from Adam is, how much of your vision for your professional sports franchises comes from the people you put in place to run those franchises versus your own beliefs? Do you feel like it's been it's a 50-50 split, or do you rely heavily on those you hire? You know, probably a little bit uh, of yeah, both. Yeah, you know what? There is a little bit of both. Like I said, when you're the new owner, you know, you kind of don't know what you don't know. There's no book out there to tell you uh, what to look for. And so, of course, you are really going to be relying almost 100% on, on the hires or the people that were there. Um, and, you know, and they are the ones that are in the trenches every day. So you're like, hey, listen, that's your job. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to tell you who we're going to pick. I mean, I haven't watched film all year. I haven't <laughs> gone to see any player uh, play at all. So that's not my job. And so you really have to trust those folks. But I do think after a few years, and especially with the relationship that the coach um, McDermott and, and Brandon Bean um, and Terry and I have with, with each other, and there's, like I said, that mutual respect, but there's also kind of just, um, I don't know, we just understand each other now. And so, you know, they take Terry's input, they take my input, um, you know, they, they tell us why this doesn't work or why that's a bad idea. Um, and we, we go through it together. And listen, at the end of the day, yes, I mean, Sean is deciding who's playing on, on Sunday and Brandon's deciding who we're picking. Um, but I do think that it's just a better marriage. I think it's just an understanding um, that, you know, whoever, whatever the scheme is or whatever the, the, the draft pick is going to be, like, we have a better understanding as to why. And therefore, I think then that gets a little bit, I don't, I'm not going to say 50-50. I think mm -hmm. it's still kind of like that 70-30 uh, split where mm -hmm. it's leaving it up to the GMs yeah. and the coaches that you spend a lot of money to make sure like <laughs> that, that they're doing their job and you let them do their job. But um, I think over the years, the relationship really helped build um, a lot of trust and respect. And we have one final question from Nicole. She said, if she could bring one thing from another stadium two hours, what would it be? Well, let's see. I have not seen the the Rams' new stadium, and I only saw 80% of the the new Raiders' stadium. So uh, this question will probably be better uh, after next after week. You go visit. But I will say, of all, of the stadiums that I have gone to, um, one of the, you know Seattle. So mm. and but but it's not it's not a thing, right? It's not like hey, they have faster Wi-Fi or <laughs> they've got a bigger jumbotron, right? Feeling and and, and I know the the loudness and the you know they call it the twelfth man mm -hmm. that they call it there um, how that can just take over a game like I don't care how a stadium is built like if you can capture that on a game day 
that is such an advantage and just su such a great experience. Even if your hot dog is cold, like just <laughs> that, 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 yeah, just that, um, that noise and those fans just, you know, um, cheering on the team. It's just, it, it really is. That's really cool. So if, if, if I could bring anything to the stadium, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I don't know how <laughs> they all do that, but, um, but I would definitely say, getting that feeling and that emotion, raw emotion of sound mm -hmm. in the stadium for the guys to hear. Yeah, and our fans do a pretty good job of that when they're in the they stadium. They do, yeah, no, they, they do, yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, Sean said so many times, as so many of our players have, how much they miss that feeling of the fans being there and they miss the support of the fans. And Sean touched on it uh, in a press conference. He said, you know, we had to study different leagues who started before us because the momentum swing now without fans is, can happen mm -hmm. so much more quickly yeah. than if you actually have fans in a game. Right. No, I, I totally agree. I, like we talked about the Miami game, the first game we went to with fans. We'll be going to Tennessee next, so mm -hmm. uh, they'll have some fans there, so we'll get that. So um, luckily next week, you know, th they're not going to have fans there, so hopefully um, that might kind of level the playing field a little bit. Did you notice the sound was a little louder this I week? I did. The train horn sounded great. I, the shout song, you could I'm, hear it on the broadcast. I'm telling you, just a little bit of increase. Thank you, League, uh, <laughs> of, of getting that sound up does make a difference. Yeah, I definitely, I could definitely feel the difference. Yeah, so. it's, it sounded great on TV, too. And I think one thing that's nice is if there's going to be no fans, it's nice to hear on the TV broadcast things about that stadium because yeah. people don't know necessarily that we have a train horn and yeah. some people may not know the shout song and so to How be able to wait, hear who, that who does not know the shout song come I'm, on like I'm everybody knows the shout the song might not <laughs> i don't know <laughs> if you flip on a game for the first time uh, you're watching the bills you're like mm, this song's pretty catchy i'm gonna go download you know, it now you know what though i i honestly it's too bad we didn't have fans for the raiders game because you imagine raider fans and bills fans like just <laughs> going at it it would be awesome i mean Just think think back to the last time we played the titans in nashville oh yeah we took the over fan that. base we took, took that. over yeah. the city on yeah. like wednesday or thursday yeah, but they're not as crazy as raiders Twitter. fans titans fans are not as crazy as raider fans so but, and also to I think about how bill's mafia would take over vegas for yeah. a weekend oh, they yeah. would have been there on freaking monday yeah. They that would have true. flown well, on Sunday. Like I said, I, I know Mark, he's going he's gonna, to uh, celebrate big uh, next time, uh, next year, next season. Whenever it happens, we can get fans back in. I'm sure like, in Vegas style, he's going to um, throw a huge party and celebrate it. So um, we're not going to be there, but um, maybe we'll meet them somewhere else yeah. along the way. Yep. So, all right. It'll be a good game Sunday. I'm excited to go. And you get to go. Yes. We get to go. Lucky I know. You. I know. I know. I wish, you know, I like I was feeling guilty. Like Mark's like, you know, if yeah. fans aren't gonna go, then I'm not going. I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> You're like, I'll, I'll be there on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I did I felt a little guilty there, but uh, I got over it real quickly. <laughs> no, it'll so. be great to see it. Great to see the yeah. new stadium. Uh awesome to see our team playing up against another team outside of the AFC East, just to see how we match up with teams outside of our division. It's gonna be It'll be fun. Four twenty-five yeah. kick too. So yeah. a little and bit later. they're a team that they're a team that you know a few years. New coach, new uh, GM. A lot of young players. A lot of draft picks mm -hmm. in the last yeah. couple of years. Um, looks like they've been rebuilding. And just like you know, we've seen uh, Josh and our offense kind of really um, you know grow uh, over the last three years. Uh, it seems like maybe the Raiders. That's what they're they're on the same path. So yeah. just not. 
Sunday. Not Sunday. Uh, we'd rather take a win than see the Raiders yeah. win. But anywho, Kim, thank right, you. Thanks. Thank you to everybody listening. We'll be back next week with right, another episode. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.